1: Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson. Along with me is Zach Barletta. We're honored to have you along. You can follow the show on Twitter, Vimeo, Facebook, other social media platforms. The social media handle is at BTG Program. And of course, you can check out our website, btgprogram.com. Zach, let's start in baseball. Oversensitivity continues to dictate the temperature of society, the current temperature of culture, as more and more of these, uh, what would you call them, flower petals seem to gain influence and their voices drowned out those who would represent the more sensible majority of people. They prey on fear to force the changes they demand on those they don't deem to be politically correct enough for their liking. This week, Major League Baseball banned the annual rookie hazing ritual, which forced rookies to dress as women or in some other silly outfit and I guess the word hazing is appropriate hazing often conjures for me anyway you know an image of pain or something that is i think
2: it's really the word hazing that was at the center of this i think if it was called a rookie initiation or something i don't think it would have been such a big deal
1: yeah to me it was always more of a fun team building silliness type of thing that you know this was intended to be
2: yeah not really malicious in any way
1: i didn't think so Billy Bean, though, Major League Baseball's ambassador for inclusion, was influenced by people, he said, from outside the sport who were concerned about the practice. Bean, which should be pointed out, is spelled without an E. So it's not Billy Bean, who is the general manager of the Oakland A's, the guy that you saw in the movie Moneyball. He said these folks felt like the, the costumes depicted women were demeaning and offensive. And th- by the way, the hazing is permitted. Rookies can still wear costumes, but they can't dress as women. They can dress as superheroes. They can dress as farm animals. They can be Jar Jar Binks if they want or an Ewok, but not not as a woman. Bean said, we are the sport of Jackie Robinson, and we need to lead by example. We are not trying to take the fun away from players. This is no different than making sexist comments about women in the workplace or about people's religious beliefs or ethnic background." or the language they speak, or their sexual orientation. This is all, of course, until a group representing farm animals most becomes offended by people dressing (laughs) as farm animals, you know, or or until Mm. the Justice League decides that people dressing as a superhero is demeaning to them. Is this really necessary, this move? Uh, Not that I care, which is exactly the point. I don't care. So why are you so influenced by... Other people, the the people in baseball didn't seem to care.
2: I think that baseball over the last year or two has had more domestic violence and domestic abuse cases than we've seen in a long time. And I think this was something that they could do very easily and simply to say, look, we care about women. We're looking out for women. We're not letting them be demeaned by letting these guys dress like women. That's the only thing I can really think of.
1: I I think that's a stretch. Not A rookie not dressing as a woman is not going to have any effect at all on the domestic violence situations around sports or in, in society.
2: Oh, no, I think it's absolutely it's just for PR. It's not going to have any effect
1: on anything. No, that, that I agree with. But, I mean, wh- where does it stop? Are folks going to protest Halloween costumes because somebody dressed as a woman? You know, if you're a man, you can't dress as at least not to be silly. If you're serious and and, and that's who you are, you like to dress as a woman, that's fine. That's where
2: I'm sorry. That's where I feel like the pushback would come from is from men who want to dress like women and do it in their everyday lives. They're going to say, well, wait, you can't ban that. That makes it look bad. And, you know, that's our preference. And I just I feel like it's a Pandora's box.
1: Men are going to have to fill out a form, you know, if they're buying a (laughs) gift for their wife of clothing, Mm -hmm. you know, that you you have no intention of wearing such an outfit yourself in Mm -hmm. silliness. I mean, it's how is it that people have gotten so, so soft? I mean, for crying out loud, this hardly matters. Put your efforts into something that is more significant, you know, human trafficking, child hunger, homelessness, one of these things baseball players dressing as women just doesn't seem to rank real high on the list of social ills. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my opinion, and I'm nowhere near a suitable role model. I have way too many flaws. I'm not pointing out what I do to say, look at me. But I do it as if to say that if I can do it, for crying out loud, other people can do it. But there are things which are offensive. There are things that bother me, yet I'm able to move on. Let me tell you something that that truly frosts my fanny. You know what frosts my fanny?
0: You watch your language.
1: Did that totally frost your fanny? Get off my lawn. Man, that'll frost your fanny. If your life had a face, I would punch it. That really frosts my fanny. Easy, compadre.
0: Did I just frost your fanny?
1: As a matter of fact, you did. The amount of TV dads in commercials, on sitcoms, uh, sitcoms, <laughs> sitcoms, which are presented as bungling idiots. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of them. Take a minute and think about how many males on TV are, uh, as compared to any other demographic on TV, are made to look foolish. Mm-hmm. I-, I think that's unfair. I think it's ridiculous. I, I- I'm. I'm not so offended by it that I'm going to go out and hijack my friends' social media pages complaining about it, you know. <laughs> but I'm not going to waste my time protesting it when I know there's much more important things on which to focus. I just think this move by baseball is an overreach. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's founded in fear that you might offense somebody. I mean, hey, baseball, look, here's the deal. I don't care that some players want to dress as a woman. I, no, I don't think if they don't want to do it, they should never be forced to do something they don't want to do. If they're having fun, team building, unity thing, who cares? So what? You know what does offend me? Watching pitchers hit. That's <laughs> offensive. So yes. rather than having worrying about rookies hazing, dressing as women, how do you focus on something more important like, the designated hitter rule. Can we get that thing unified? Absolutely. Good night. On Wednesday night, the Cleveland Cavaliers played a road game in Memphis against the Grizzlies. Only stars LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love didn't even travel with the team. <laughs> so
2: it wasn't really the Cavaliers. Right. It was Ex- like they were playing against the Cavaliers bench.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, this just shows how out of touch many of today's athletes are with the fans NBA Commissioner Adam Silver he has to address this thing. He has to step in and do something about this problem. And I, I know it didn't start with the Cavaliers. Other teams have done it. It was most notably done Greg Popovich and the and the San Antonio Spurs. But listen, I, and I know Memphis left Marcus All home. The Cleveland and Memphis were playing a home and home. Memphis didn't bring Marcus All, but the Cavaliers left LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. They left everybody home. You know, this is a huge indifference to fans. Uh, who They pay their money. They're expecting to see the Cleveland Cavaliers. And as you said, instead they got some something that resembles more of a D-League roster. I, I get the players need a rest. They do. But to not even travel with the team, you need that much rest. You can't even get on a plane and go. And for real, you can't get the guy in there for a couple of minutes.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm all for resting players. I think it's important over a long season. But do you have to rest your three biggest players on the same night? Like, first of all, if you bought a ticket, all the players you came to see are not even in the state. And second of all, what kind of an insult is that to the team that you're playing? Like, look, you guys are so bad. We're <laughs> leaving all three of our yeah. stars home because we don't need them.
1: Yeah, it, they mailed this one in. Look, they they lost the game. They didn't care. They're like, whatever. This is one on the calendar. We don't need. Look, if one or two guys are sitting on the bench and they're getting rested, I think most fans are savvy enough to realize that they understand that players get a game off. You know, they get it. I bought a ticket, but I know when I buy the ticket that there's a chance the guy I want to see may not play. When you buy a ticket for a ball game late in the season and you're buying that game in April, you know the guy you want to see pitching may not be pitching that night. It's Mm -hmm. part of the, part of, you know that. But to not even make the trip, Is such a giant, you know, go scratch to the fans. (laughs) (laughs) I I realize that professional athletes work hard. I don't want to minimize it, but so do many of the people who scrape together money to buy a ticket, expecting Mm. that you know to see a certain player. To say that a player can't muster enough to get through eighty-two games a uh, year—that's minimizing what they do. I wouldn't expect them to play eighty-two games a year, but and it's a terrible look to. A terrible message for fans who work sometimes six days a week, 300 days a year. Fans shell out big money so you can play a game for a living and and make those millions of dollars. I understand teams have other revenue streams, but who's that tennis player? I can't think of his name, but he basically said that if fans don't like it, they don't have to buy a ticket. Well, here's the reality of it. They don't buy a ticket. You're not playing tennis for a living. Nope. Like you
2: said, there's just a disconnect. Sometimes uh, they're out of touch, you know?
1: And I think that's what it is more than anything else. These athletes have gotten to a point where um, they don't need the fans. They don't care about the fans. And that's to say LeBron James does many, many, many good things. I'm I'm not really wanting to pick a fight with LeBron James, not that he's going to even care what I think, but I think this is a bad message overall and I think it's beginning to snowball more and more teams are doing it. James said, my coach wants me to rest. I don't buck my coach. That's what he wants and that's what we're going to (laughs) do.
2: Not this coach, but the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly
1: right. Try telling that to David Blatt. He added, I've been in this league 14 years. I shouldn't have to explain me sitting out a game or not playing games. Now, This is not a unique opinion to me. A lot of people feel this. But this is where LeBron James is increasingly more likable, unlikable. When you start saying things like this, he does many, many things. But when a player doesn't even care enough to accompany his team, that's a terrible message. And yes, you do. You do have to explain. His statement is evidence of him feeling he's too elite to have to care about the Memphis fans. He went on to say that he's paid my dues and more than a lot of guys in this league. This is an insult. This is a bad message from some of the league's biggest names. The commissioner needs to step in and address this, or it's going to continue to snowball. It's going to happen more and more. I know that many athletes and league people feel that the fans will accept anything, so they'll just have to deal with it. It doesn't matter. But there is a point where they may still go. Fans may still go to the games, but three games becomes one. And buying the jersey, well, I don't need the jersey. So the revenue stream does shrink. Fans may never go away completely, but the cash cow the NBA is enjoying now might go back to the barely getting by situation they had 30 years ago. Much to do this morning. News of Deflategate in the NFL resurfaced again, only this time there was a much different reaction and response. We're going to talk about that. Zach will, of course, bring us his list of shenanigans statements. We'll talk about what it is we like this week. All that and more on this week's Beyond the Game program. Previous broadcast contact information and more can be found at our website, btgprogram.com. Let me just say that our show is mainly listener-supported. So if you feel so led, you can also make a secure donation right there on our website as well. Your generous donations help keep the show on the air as well as help the program to reach new markets. And our goal, of course, is to use sports to share the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, and your support is critical in making that happen. However you can help is a blessing, and it's much appreciated. You can follow us on such sites as Twitter, Vimeo, Facebook, and other social media platforms. Once again, the handle is at Program. Studio line is also open. That number is 585-431-1202. That's 585-431-1202. Leave us your comments anytime, day or night. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions.
0: Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town and Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them, I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town. The country they really are the best they guarantee their work and did i mention they're the best save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God
1: are you looking for a great gift for your young baseball player this season or perhaps you're just looking for something for them to do over the holiday break from school next pro training will be hosting their second annual college instructional december 27th through the 29th the clinic will be a three-day event that is run by current major league baseball scouts and college coaches from every level in addition to the great next pro training staff there will be 13 different coaches over the course of the three days your player will get not only the very best instruction but more exposure than what most showcases offer Whether you're a young player looking to work on your fundamentals or a high school player looking to get recruited at the next level, this clinic is for you. The Next Pro Training College Instruction Clinic, December 27th through the 29th. Ages 9 to 13 will start at 2 p.m. and go to 3.30. Ages 14 to 18 will start at 4 and go to 7 p.m. Next Pro Training is located at 1374 Lyle Avenue in the rear of the plaza. For more information, visit nextprotraining.com. That's nextprotraining.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. It's Star Wars Week. It is. I got my tickets for Rogue One this weekend, and I am very excited. With Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. The good, bad, and the ugly is our version of power rankings. Last time out, we looked at the NFL. So this time around, we're going to give you our top three, our bottom three in the NHL, that, of course, being the good and the bad. And we'll also give you one team who just had the ugliest week of all the other teams. And that, of course, is the ugly. So, Zach, I'm going to start with the good, my number one good team. The top team in the NHL is the Montreal Canadiens. To me, the P.K. Subban trade doesn't look as bad as it once did when we talked about it in the offseason. Shea Weber is among the league leaders for goals by a defenseman. He might even be in first at this point. I I don't know. But despite injuries, that offense just continues to roll. I have the Montreal Canadiens as my top team. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> obviously you disagree
2: i don't even have them in my top three really i did up until this okay. week Okay, i did they were begrudgingly there for a long time are they like, going to
1: be your ugly no ugliest week okay i kind of gave it away there if it was but who's your top team then
2: it's the pittsburgh penguins okay they've won seven straight eight out of ten they're the number one scoring team tied with the rangers for number one scoring team in hockey They have two guys, Crosby and Malkin, who are averaging a point per game or better. They take a lot of shots. They score a lot of goals. They're on a roll. They're my number one team.
1: And they got consideration from me as being, but they didn't make my top three. So right back at you. You know, whatever. You don't like my Canadians. I don't like your Penguins. But we're
2: both in the East. My number two
1: team is the New York Rangers. Ooh. I like the Rangers. I think they're among the their their offense is great, but they did have some bad losses here in recent weeks. You and I were at the Sabers game. Oh, I've tried. They to lost that. to the Islanders, um, and now they got this goaltender issue, which I don't know what you were thinking there because benching one of the world's best goaltenders, mm-hmm. and now you've got a Dak Prescott, Tony Romo situation brewing in New York. But I still think the Rangers are. Probably the second best team in the NHL right now. So far,
2: both your teams are not in my top three. (laughs) As much as I would love the Rangers to be there, I've watched that defense too much to have them anywhere near my top three. My number two is the Philadelphia Flyers. They're fresh off of winning 10 games in a row as of this recording. The number two team in the league in goals scored. They give up a lot of goals, but I think Steve Mason is better than what he's played, and he'll rebound, and it's hard to argue with 10 straight wins.
1: It is, and more than any team in pro sports, I dislike the Flyers. It I stems know. back to the late seventies. So I, I struggle to say this, but I mean, is there anybody playing better? The Canadians are, I, I think, are the, my top team in the NHL. I think the Rangers are number two, and the Philadelphia Flyers are my third I think the ranked Rangers team. Play
2: like number two. <laughs>
1: The Columbus Blue Jackets got some consideration from me. I can't believe that I'm saying that. No,
2: a John Tortorella uh, team? Are you kidding me?
1: I wouldn't want to face the Flyers right now. I think they're playing great, and if they keep playing like this, they're, they're going to be at the top of my list, and boy, do I hate saying that.
2: My number three team is the Columbus Blue Jackets.
1: Okay,
3: all right.
2: I'm as stunned as anyone. But they're the sixth team in goal scoring, the number two team in goals against. They have the best power play in the league. They've won seven straight. So how do you argue with
1: that? My worst team in the NHL is the Arizona Coyotes. Hey, hockey in the desert doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's destined to be a problem, isn't it? But losing Max Domi to injury is just going to make a bad team even worse, in my opinion. Well, you'd
2: think it would be a really popular place to go when it's 110 degrees outside. (laughs) They are also my worst team in the league, the Arizona Coyotes. League-worst 35.5 shots allowed per game. They're allowing more than seven shots a game, more than they're taking.
1: Their, their goaltenders are getting Their goaltenders bombarded. are
2: getting bombarded. They've won three of their last ten. There's a lot of promise, but they're having some big-time growing pains.
1: All right, I've been going first. So we agree on the worst team in the league. Our top three, we only had one team that— Yeah. that matched one another. You had them at two, I had them at three.
2: I think that's just how good the East has been. Yeah, it has
1: been good. But we agree on the worst team in the NHL. Who's your second worst team?
2: The Colorado Avalanche. They have the fewest points of any team in the league. The second fewest goals scored. They're allowing two and a half more shots a game than they're taking, and they've only won two of their last ten. And I think
1: everything about this team is awful, right down to their uniforms. I I have them at three. I have a team in between there, so they're my third worst team. But they got 51 saves out of their goalie on one night, and then they turned around the next night and gave up 10 goals. Maybe mm-hmm. it would may, it may not have been the next night. It was the next time out, though. Inconsistency, obviously, has been a problem mm-hmm. for the Avalanche, but they're pretty awful.
2: They're pretty bad. My uh, third bad team, our own Buffalo Sabres, allowing two and a half more shots per game than they're taking. They're uh, the lowest scoring team in the league. They've allowed 11 more goals than they've scored. They've been better since they've gotten Jack Eichel back, but I don't think it's enough. They've got a long way to go.
1: You and I agree, though we have them in different orders, because that's the team that I have between the Coyotes and the Avalanche is the Buffalo Sabres. So our bottom threes are the same exact team, just in a different order. And everything you said about the Sabres, I would agree with. And if you're fortunate enough to see a Sabres goal, you've seen something special because, man, they're just— <laughs> You probably saw Jack Eichel. <laughs> and you probably watched the Rangers game because they did score that day. Oh, and I, you know what? As long as we're talking about it, we were in that auditorium that night. and that Loudest was, we've ever heard it, wouldn't you say? I've think? been to a—yes, I've been to a number of Sabres games, and I can't remember it ever being louder. Usually you're going to get more people cheering mm-hmm. for the Rangers or the opponent. I think not we tonight. talked about
2: it on the show last time because we usually go when the Rangers are in town. And we talked about how the Rangers fans were louder than the Buffalo fans in Buffalo. And that was certainly not the case this time.
1: No, good for Buffalo. All right, let's 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 talk about ugly. My ugly team for the last week has been the Winnipeg Jets. They have, <laughs> I mean, they just finished an 0-3 road trip. They got a game tonight as we're recording this. It's a home game. It's been a bad stretch for the Jets now. In some defense, they've had injuries. They've had a brutal schedule where they've played more games, I think, than anybody else. They've got like 32 games in 60 days. Maybe with a lighter schedule, getting some more of the players back, they can turn it around a little bit, but Patrick Lane just, yeah. you know. A goalie would help, too. A goalie would help. <laughs> You're right.
2: My ugly team, the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> they, don't even they haven't played a game yet, but they are the They're not ugliest. even in the league. They're Their uniforms are ugly. Their logos are ugly. They look like my brother's... My brother, I have to give him the credit for this, he said, I'm pretty sure I've seen that logo on the volleyball floor at a local high school. Like, that's what it looks like. It's ugly. The logo's ugly. The uniforms are ugly. The color scheme's ugly. The name Golden Knights is ugly. And the fact that they can't... Oh,
1: you're going to rub some people the wrong way there.
2: It's great if you went to West Point like their owner did. But as a sports team... I just think that's a terrible, especially when there were better options available. In, if it, you were
1: going to the College of Saint Rose, you can address your hateful emails to Zach Barletta, care of, <laughs> because the, I think the Golden Knights is a fine name. Maybe I, I see what when you're, you're saying. Not,
2: Vegas, though, you could be the Aces or the Blackjacks or the Desert Hawks. Or there's like there were so many better names that were thrown around and then he's like no i went to west point through the golden knights nothing that has anything to do with the city of vegas
1: marlene my wife pointed out that nevada is the silver state maybe vegas is a silver State. i don't know what she pointed out i was only half listening because um no that's not true i was listening with all my with all my heart i was intently paying attention to every word that she said but she pointed out that the name should have been something silver because nevada is the silver state but it wasn't
2: but anyway i, I- I was excited for the reveal of the new team. I was going to maybe buy a hat or something, and then I was completely underwhelmed by it. So the Vegas Golden Knights are my ugly team.
1: There you go, our good, bad, and ugly as they currently stand. in our opinion in the NHL, we'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are and how you'd rank them. You can tweet at us, at BTG Program, Give us a call, leave your comments on the studio line, 585-431-1202. Let us know how you'd rank teams in the NHL. Before we take a break, though, Zach, let's, let's do it a little early. We usually do it later in the show, but I want to give you my you like that. The title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is, of course, Town of Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. The second verse of the 103rd Psalm says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson did just that after his name was announced as the winner of this year's Heisman Trophy Award. The 19-year-old wasted no time and got into it right, right before he said anything else. Here's a quote from Lamar Jackson.
2: Um, first and foremost, though, before I want to, um, before I, you know go further along with my speech, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, without Him, none of us would be here right now tonight. He sounds so nervous.
1: Oh, he he was yeah. If you watched, he was very very nervous. If you're familiar with the Heisman, it's not uncommon. For guys to include God on their thank you list, and even Johnny Manziel thanked God when he won the award back in 2012. He said, "Most of all, I want to thank God for allowing me to be here, all that He's blessed me with in my entire life. I'm so thankful for." Thanking God is one thing. The high majority of Americans believe in God, but it's the name of Jesus which separates and divides. He even says so himself in Luke 15, or excuse me, twelve fifty one. When you follow Jesus, there are going to be those who disassociate with you, and almost certainly there is going to be some division for his sake. So thanking God is one thing, but mentioning Jesus is another. Lamar Jackson was clear. He was bold when he declared on national television his praises and gratefulness to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's what I like this week. You like that?
2: You like that? What I like this week was Jeremy Lynn appearing in an issue of the Totally Awesome Hulk comic book. The writer Greg Pak lived in New York when Sanity Struck was captivated by it and had been looking and finally found a way to get Lynn into one of his comics. It's not often that the nerd world and the sports world overlap, so that is what I like this week. You like that?
1: You like that? We're going to take a short break, let you hear from some of the folks who make this program possible. You're listening to Benson and Barletta here on the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Here's the Red Hawks report for this week, December 17th, 2016. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. A slow week for Roberts Wesleyan Athletics, during Finals Week on the campus. Last Saturday, though, the men's basketball team dropped to 0-4 in conference as they fell to Malloy College, 102-89. The Red Hawks got 21 points from junior Manny Joseph, and they got 20 from sophomore Zach Panabianco to go along with his six assists. The women, however, were victorious against Malloy Saturday afternoon, 84-64. Four players scored in double digits for the Red Hawks. Freshman Taya Andrews paced the team with 19 points. Junior Lucy Cobley added 15 and freshman Sarah Nady netted 11 points. Sophomore Taylor Bino came within one rebound of a double-double with 13 points and nine rebounds off the bench. Both teams returned to action this Sunday, the 18th. The men will host Slippery Rock University at 1 p.m. Prior to the game, we'll induct Tyrell Dixon into the Wendy's College Classic Hall of Fame. The women will also play on Sunday. They'll go at 3 p.m. hosting St. Anselm College, and they too will have an inductee for the Wendy's College Classic Hall of Fame. They'll send Samantha Courtney into the hall prior to their game. That'll be it for home games until New Year's Eve when the women will host St. Michael's that afternoon. And congratulations to Isaiah Lewis, the freshman guard for the men's basketball team, has been named the ECC Rookie of the Week. That's the Red Hawks Report for this week, December 17, 2016. The Red Hawks Report is presented, as always, by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC RWCRedHawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College.
3: Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu is here.
2: Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros, games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports.
1: Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku channel store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Welcome back to Beyond the Game, Mountain View, California's number one rated faith-based sports talk radio program, the home of Google, Symantec, Mozilla, many other high-tech companies, the heart of Silicon Valley, the birthplace of Brandon Crawford of the hometown San Francisco Giants. It's also the birthplace of LPGA's Paula Creamer and home of record-setting American powerlifter Dan Green. To all wow. of you tuning in and downloading the podcast in Mountain View, California, we thank you for listening. We thank you, too, wherever you are. You can download the podcast and subscribe so that you never miss out on the riveting opinions and useless information of our great producer, Zach Barletta.
2: I'm impressed with your knowledge of Californian geography. You
1: can find anything on the internet. <laughs> Simply visit our website, btgprogram.com. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions, Town and Country Solutions. Dot .com have a pest problem give those folks a call 585-426-5024 585-426-5024 town and country pest solutions fearing nothing but god there is an interesting situation Zach in the NFL which has caused many to speculate on why the league seems to be taking a much different approach and much less aggressive approach in handling it after their victory over the New York Giants a few weeks ago it was revealed that the Giants alerted the league office that some of the footballs Pittsburgh used in the game were less inflated than they should be.
2: Uh Uh-oh. Where have we seen this
1: before? Here we go again. After forcing Steelers' turnovers, the Giants tested two footballs on the sideline, both determined to be under league standards. The Giants then forwarded those footballs to the league office. I think it's important to mention that the Giants did not file a formal complaint They're simply making the league aware about it, probably because if it comes up again or a few more times, at least Mm -hmm. it's on record.
2: Then it's a pattern.
1: Then it's a pattern. They're just making people aware. And undoubtedly, there are some who are not aware of this most recent deflate gate scenario as a result of the league's, what would you say, delayed response, minimal response to this? Yeah, it was a
2: very quiet passing story that you almost had to look for to find it. It was completely different than the Deflategate that we all know and love.
1: Yeah, you're, you had to look for it because the media didn't even give it a lot of attention. Uh, you know, and as you said, this is a stark contrast to the New England Patriots, who, of course, were docked at a first-round draft pick, and they lost their quarterback, Tom Brady, for four games, suspended for the first part of the season. Now, this could have been a potentially difficult situation for a couple of young actresses, Kate and Rooney Mara, If you did not know, Kate and Rooney are these sisters are the granddaughters of Art Rooney Sr., who founded the Pittsburgh Steelers, and also of Tim Mara, who founded the New York Giants. So these two football teams have common linkage lineage, I should say, family. So uh, there's probably a good reason the Giants didn't want to really make a big deal about this. You know, there there's a friendship there, there's a family there, but. Obviously, the NFL is probably reluctant to go down this road again. Mm-hmm. It got real ugly the first time around. Fans are pretty sick and tired about hearing about deflate gate. Because the Steelers and the Giants played in frigid temperatures, there's no real surprise that some of the balls were underinflated. Now, I'm no scientist, but my understanding is that is expected to happen. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. The league specification is that balls should be inflated between 12.5 and 13.5 PSI. The balls the Giants were recovered, reportedly measured at 11.4 and 11.8. So there there was a good amount of air missing, but again, I'm not a scientist. I I guess that's what happens. Listeners to this program are a highly intelligent group of people, not to mention extremely good-looking as well. But being as sharp as they are, they will be keenly aware of the fact that I am a Giants fan. So before anyone gets crazy, you know, before anyone gets this idea in their head, I'm not suggesting that the Giants' loss had anything to do with underinflated footballs. So that would be ridiculous to say. Not nor, nor do I think that the NFL should make a big deal of it. I don't think they should, or that the media should be maligning the Steelers as a result. Although I would like to have a look at Ben Roethlisberger's phone, I'm sure he's destroyed it by now. But <laughs> the Steelers have followed all appropriate protocol. The league has been very careful to say that all the procedures have been followed. They've dismissed this as a non-story in the words of head coach Mike Tomlin, and rightly so. At this point, there's no evidence the Steelers did anything wrong. There's only evidence that there were some underinflated footballs that made their way into the game. May very well be due to the weather conditions. But that's it. after the way the league went after the Patriots, don't you think they have a responsibility to at least look into it? Absolutely. Regardless of whether or not the Giants filed a formal complaint? After the many black eyes the league has taken in recent years, don't you think it would be appropriate to at least go through the motions? You know, mm. go through, the, just take a look into it. Um, show the fans you're serious about cheating, that they didn't just have an axe to grind with the Patriots, because as far as anybody would know, they absolutely had an axe to grind with oh, the Patriots. Yes. If for nothing more, investigate it so to protect the integrity of the league. Dismiss any claims of favoritism or, or of targeting.
2: Now, maybe if the Steelers had been caught videotaping some other teams' practices in the past or something, it would be a little different. But at the same time, the offense is the exact same. It should be treated the exact same.
1: Yeah, and you're right. And that's the point I'll make here in a bit. You know, you got a little ahead of me there. But, yeah, the, the Patriots have a, a pattern, a history. They've done other things. The Steelers have not done that. They don't have that prior history. But other than a quick comment this past Sunday to make sure— People weren't quick to pass judgment. The league just seems very content with the fact that Giants didn't file a formal complaint, so we're not really going to do anything about it. They followed up again on Wednesday with more of a final, well, there's nothing to see here statement from mm-hmm. Commissioner Roger Goodell. But there's been no explanation of how the footballs came to be underinflated. There's no explanation of why this isn't a violation of some sort. And you think that they would at least offer that. Here, Here's why we're not looking into this any further. Here's, here's what actually happened. There's been none of that, just the Steelers did everything right. You know, I think he did say something along the lines like, the reason we have the refs measure them is because everybody uses different tools to measure them. So I'm not suggesting that the league should make a big deal of it, but at least provide an explanation and tell us why it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It looks like the league is arbitrarily picking and choosing who it is that— they will accuse and where it will attempt to indict. Now, here's what you don't want. You don't want players turning this into a joke. And Ben Roethlisberger did make a joke about using Nerf balls. <laughs> you know, and while that's funny, if the league is becoming a joke, that's a problem. It's not about the Steelers' guilt. It's not about the Steelers' innocence. It's about the fair treatment of all teams. It's about protecting the character, the integrity of the league. First Thessalonians 5:22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. And this is a difficult verse for many. It's a difficult verse for me, and I think there's potential to get real legalistic with something like this. We can, we, we can't allow ourselves to be dictated by the perception of others. And I can't think, I don't think the NFL can allow itself to be dictated by what people think about them, but it should have some bearing. You know, we can't be so worried that as believers in Christ, someone may accuse us being addicted to pornography just because we have a TV in our house. We subscribe to a television service which offers such pay-per-view channels. I, I, you know, I'm not going to get rid of my TV because somebody might think that. You know, by the same token, if somebody chooses to do that, that's up to them. We can't get so legalistic, so carried away that we criticize anybody who has a backyard fire pit because... It might have been used for a satanic ritual. You know, you can't go there. Uh, you know, obviously I'm using silly and ridiculously disproportionate examples to emphasize the point, but, you know, you may have come across those people who have gotten so carried away. I think unless it's something that's clearly laid out in Scripture, unless it's clearly laid out, we can't just expect other people to live by our standards and by our preferences. There's always going to be somebody who thinks some of the things you do is wrong. At the same time, we can't completely dismiss it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells believers to live in such a way that they should, that, that people are unable to talk about them negatively. Live in such a way that they can, they're can. they only left with good things to say about you. And we should take this, we should think, man, I don't want to put myself in a position where people are able to say negative things. But because they're forgiven by God, they should not use the fact that Jesus paid for sin as an excuse to sin and not care about the appearance of to others. Here's First Peter chapter 2, 15 and 16. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. In that same chapter, verse 9, Peter describes believers as a royal priesthood, a group of people who... Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our goal as believers is to live righteously before God, to conduct ourselves in such a way that it shows our great God as a great God, one who has saved us from our sins, bringing us out of a dark place, uh, the darkness of sin and into the light of salvation. The NFL is not going to be able to make everybody happy. I'm not going to be able to make everybody happy. You won't either. There will always be people who think that some things they do are out to get certain teams or unfair to certain groups of people. But even though they will never please everyone, they should take some steps, any steps available to them to present themselves as unbiased and true to the things which they care to claim claim to care about. But, you know, there's another perspective on this newest deflate gate situation, and you alluded to it already. Uh, I, I think four games, you know, I do, it was way too much. It was very heavy handed for Tom Brady.
2: Especially when the fine that's in the rule book or the penalty that's in the rule book is a fine.
1: But the New England Patriots, as you said, they only need to look in the mirror for why the NFL went after them so hard. The, you know, some of the things that they've done, you mentioned that the Steelers had not been caught videotaping another team's practice and the arrogance of the Patriots is really what rubs some people wrong. In this face of accusations over deflate gate this flatly denied it and all the things that they've been accused of over the years, they've mm. they've they've handled that with a lot of arrogance, with a lot of pride. And I can't say if this is accurate or not, but I'm not the only one to whom the Patriots appeared as though they thought themselves above it all. Would you agree with that? They they almost acted oh, like they're, you know, they're better than everyone else. And oh, I guess in many ways they are. But um, there was no small amount of pride or, uh, and arrogance when it came to the Patriots. And there's no doubt that's part of why the league went after them as forcefully as they did. There's a list of sins, Zach, in 2 Timothy, in the third chapter, which resembled the attitude of the that the patriots seem to have. And let me let me read those verses to you. It's um 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 2 to 4. It says for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I'm not saying that the patriots are all these things. But a couple of those, you can say, the, the arrogance, you know, the boastfulness. The, as a result of their pride and of their arrogance, the patriots, they denied their sins. They were so prideful they wouldn't even see it. They were unable to escape the consequence then of those sins because they refused to acknowledge them. That list likely contains at least one, probably more, sins which befalls all of us. You know, which is yours if you're listening right now? What is yours out of that list? The bottom line is most of us love pleasure more than we love God. Our pride can cause us to deny our sins. We stand defiant in the face of them. We deny God, but ultimately we're not going to be able to escape the consequence of those sins. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, death waits all of us. And before it does eventually come, and it will, you need to do something about the the price of your sin. If you die in your sins, meaning you've never sought God's forgiveness, you've never made peace with him, then falling short of the glory of God means separation from him. It's an eternity away from him. It's, it's hell. The amazing thing, Jesus Christ has already paid the debt of our sin. He freely gave up his life as a sacrifice on the cross to pay for those sins. He's the only one who could because he lived a life without sin. Therefore, he's the only one who could rightly stand before a holy God. If you've come to the place in your life where you've gotten right with God, when he looks at your sin, he sees the blood of his son which covers it. His sacrifice at the cross is sufficient to redeem the sins of every man, woman, and child who's ever lived. But we must accept the free gift of eternal life. That means simply admitting to God that you are a sinner and that you know the cross is not only true, but it's sufficient. Admitting to God that you believe Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. Asking God to forgive you of those sins and accept him as your Savior from an eternity in hell. You won't be perfect, but your sins will cause you sorrow. You'll be changed so that you're burdened by your sin. Only God can move one's heart in that direction. And I wonder if he's speaking to you today. I just want to leave you with two more verses. Romans ten nine and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Admit to God that you are a sinner. Repent of those sins. Don't allow your pride to keep you from acknowledging them. And then ask him to forgive you and to save you. Thanks for sticking with us. As with anything you hear on our program, you can reach out to us through our website or our studio line. BTGprogram.com is where you can find us. If there's anything we can do to help, you want to learn more about being a Christian, or even if you just want someone to pray for you, we'd be honored to be there to help. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Best Solutions.
0: title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air, but that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town a country they really are the best they guarantee their work and did i mention they're the best save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that 3 is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God.
1: Are you looking for a great gift for your young baseball player this season? Or perhaps you're just looking for something for them to do over the holiday break from school? Next Pro Training will be hosting their second annual college instructional December 27th through the 29th. The clinic will be a three day event that is run by current Major League Baseball scouts and college coaches from every level. In addition to the great Next Pro Training staff, there will be 13 different coaches over the course of the three days. Your player will get not only the very best instruction, but more exposure than what most showcases offer. Whether you're a young player looking to work on your fundamentals or a high school player looking to get recruited at the next level, this clinic is for you. The Next Pro Training College Instruction Clinic, December 27th through the 29th. Ages 9 to 13 will start at 2 p.m. and go to 3.30. Ages 14 to 18 will start at 4 and go to 7 p.m. Next Pro Training is located at 1374 Lyle Avenue in the rear of the plaza, For more information, visit nextprotraining.com. That's nextprotraining.com. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior,
2: I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at mcafeeremodeling.com.
1: Welcome back once again, and thanks for being with us here on Beyond the Game, mixing faith and sports btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Zach, why don't you take us through some of your shenanigans statements for this week?
2: All right. Fox Sports analyst Mike Lombardi, formerly an executive with the Browns and the Patriots, predicted last week that his two former teams will make a trade this offseason with the Browns sending picks to New England for quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. So, truth or shenanigans, the Browns will trade for their quarterback of the future instead of taking one in the draft.
1: That's a pretty bold prediction. I don't know. Maybe he knows something, but I say shenanigans. Cleveland needs more than just one piece, and I don't think they can afford to give up the draft picks. You know, I think they're going to need them. But is there a franchise quarterback in the draft? For that matter, is Jimmy Garoppolo that type of guy? I'm on the fence about the guys available in the draft. I think I like them, but can they be the franchise guy the Browns need? They desperately need some solidity. They need some consistency. And I guess I think that guys like Mitch Trubinsky from North Carolina, Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame, and Clemson's Deshaun Watson. I'm sure there are others, but those are the big three that I think of. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly can't miss guys; right. they're high potential guys. I think ultimately they'll roll with one of those guys. Cleveland will. I think they'll they'll draft somebody, uh, and they'll hope that maybe RG three can be that guy for Oof. to patch them through. That said, I think they could be interested in an EJ manual or or somebody else's cast off should they become available and hope for the best because I don't think there's that franchise guy out there. Who are they going to trade for? I, I just don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that, and maybe he is, and I think the Patriots are counting on that, but Brown fans don't want to hear it, but I, I don't see a lot of better options for him other than drafting somebody and hoping for the best.
2: I actually agree with the statement. Uh There aren't, as we've said, any sure-thing quarterbacks. There's no Andrew Luck in this draft. you know, And I think they have so many picks that they could trade for Garoppolo and still draft a quarterback if they wanted to. I think it makes sense. Garoppolo has had some success in the league. He's played in an NFL offense, and they could use those picks on offensive linemen, which they really, really, really need. But you
1: think they have enough picks that they could still go out and address what they need through the draft? I think so. And you have enough confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo that he's going to be that guy for them.
2: I think I have more confidence that he could be than any of the guys in this draft could be.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. Maybe. I Boy, that's tough. Plus,
2: the Patriots need to trade him because he's coming up on free agency, and they'll lose him for nothing if they don't.
1: Man, the Browns, just they just need a guy that works out for them, you know? Yeah. Man, just you feel somebody, so anybody. bad for Cleveland.
2: After David Ortiz recently posted on social media about his excitement for the Red Sox offseason moves, Speculation is rampant that Ortiz will unretire for one more shot at a World Series. Truth or shenanigans, David Ortiz will play at some point in 2017.
1: I wish to register a complete <laughs> I say shenanigans. He had a great season last year, no doubt about it. But does anybody, including Ortiz, think he's going to do that two years in a row? you got to want to go out, or I can't speak for him. Who knows? But you would think he'd want to go out on the note that he went out on. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't see it. There's nothing additional that one more. He's won. He's mm-hmm. won championships. What's one more going to do for him? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. You want to do that, but it's not going to prove anything. But I'm sure, like most athletes, when they retire, they miss the camaraderie. They miss the routine. And he's going to go through withdrawals, and if those itches get too strong, maybe he could scratch it by being a coach or something. Mm-hmm.
2: I say shenanigans again as well. We all know that Big Poppy is a guy who cares a lot about his legacy. We've seen him scream at scores who gave him an error when he thought it should be a hit, stuff like that. I think to pull. That's a- why
1: he's so lovable.
2: Oh, absolutely! And to pull a Brett Favre and unretire after the farewell tour he just had would make him look pretty bad. So I think he's going to stay away. The Yankees signing of Aroldis Chapman to a five-year $86 million deal was a mistake. You lead off. I agree. I think it was. Uh, Hmm. It's As fun as it is to see your team add a premier free agent, this team is more exciting now that there are so many talented young players like Gary Sanchez. But as of today, it's not a contending team. This is not a team that's going to win That many games that adding a closer is the piece that puts you over the top. Plus, the one thing that the Yankees' system in the minor leagues is flush with is hard-throwing relief pitchers. So for a team that's trying to get under the luxury tax threshold and reset their luxury tax amount, Chapman doesn't make any sense to me.
1: I say shenanigans. It was not a mistake. You might have a lot of hard-throwing relief pitchers, but a knockout closer is a rare exception. They don't come around very often. If the young talent that the Yankees have, if that matures in the next year or two like they think they might, they're in a position to make a World Series run, then you don't have to worry about the closer position. You've already got it locked up. Yeah, it's expensive, but I don't think he was outrageously expensive. I'm still surprised he didn't return to the Cubs. You know, you thought that would have been the best chance mm-hmm. to win, but apparently he really liked his time in New York. Mm-hmm. I think he got more money offered by the Marlins, didn't he? Yeah,
2: but who wants to play for the Marlins? Yeah,
1: I understand that. but uh, So good for him not only getting the money but also playing where he wants to play. But I I, I don't think it was a mistake. I think when you got a closer, you got a guy that's going to clo- shut down those games when you're competing for a playoff position as the Yankees expect to do in the next year or two or three, I I think he becomes an important piece. So I disagree with you on that.
2: According to a Yahoo Sports study that I read just this week, 51% of hockey fans would not change their hockey viewing habits if the NHL removed fighting from the game completely. Truth or shenanigans, fighting has no place in hockey anymore.
1: Why don't you go first? Because I did see your social media fight and (laughs) you're you've got the gloves on already. It was a good
2: one. Yeah. Well, I think we dropped the gloves to, you
1: know. Oh, I see what you uh, did there.
2: I agree with the statement. I argued this on Facebook today with some random dude that I'm not even friends with. But what I told him was, A, if you're pretending to be serious about eliminating concussions, you can't allow two dudes to punch each other in the face because concussions are going to follow and B, goons are outdated before this year. I watched my Rangers year after year carry one of those gritty sandpaper guys that was supposed to be the tough guy, and I'd watched other team skill players dance right around him to the net and score like he was just standing still. You can't carry that guy on your roster anymore. Every single person on the ice has to be a skill player. The game is just too fast, and it's past that age of fighting right by.
1: Well, well said. I, I agree with the statement, fighting has no place. I, I mean, I couldn't agree anymore. And I want to discuss this further, but we don't have the time right here. Maybe maybe right after New Year's we can dedicate a whole segment to this. But I have such a hard time understanding how Christians can embrace, almost celebrate, cheer the fighting that goes on in the sport. It's not part of the European game. They, they stress finesse. They stress speed. That's no. what I want to see. I want to see skilled hockey players. I don't want to see guys who can fight. I just... And as you said, with all the attention and concern on head injuries, how can you continue punching somebody in the head? It shouldn't be part of the game. I think people who say such a foolish thing are just trying to compensate for their insecurity by acting tough. Oh, we love the fighting. Uh, Give me a break. And if you're a Christian, stop cheering for the fights. It has no place in the game. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. TownandCountrySolutions.com or give them a call, 585 426 5024. Tell them Benson and Barletta sent you. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at the same time. Be great this week, everybody.